You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you'd get your Bibles and open them up to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1, We're going to be reading in a couple minutes the first six verses of chapter one. But I was talking to Chad also before the service and mentioned that he did an excellent job of introducing what I'm going to be covering tonight. He didn't plan it, I didn't plan it. Had to be the Lord, that's all I can say. So let's stand. For the reading of God's Word, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, that's Nebuchadnezzar's hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, Children, in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Let's pray. Father, Once again, we have opened your word here at Eastside. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the way that you work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit as we open up, read, and study your word. Help us to learn something this evening. Help us to make applications in our lives and our hearts. We pray you do all of this, knowing that everything that happens is done for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To give us a little more specific background of the kings in this line, Saul was the first king of Israel. 
His son, after his death, the son by the name of Ishbosheth, ruled for a short time in part of his father's kingdom. David ruled at the same time for a larger part of the kingdom. David had a son, Solomon. Solomon had a son, Rehoboam. It was during Rehoboam's tenure as king of Israel that the nation was divided. Ten tribes kept the name of Israel, pretty much north of Jerusalem and Judea, and there was two tribes, Jerusalem or Judea and Benjamin, that stayed with David and his family line. As we look at verse 3, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So, after Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Judah, Jerusalem, the northern ten tribes, Israel, had been taken into captivity some time before this, This probably happened around 605 B.C. was the first invasion and carrying away in Judah. The people in charge were instructed to find children. I would guess that they were probably older children, possibly 15 to maybe even as old as 20 years old, to be taken back to Babylon to learn all that that society, that power had learned, and they were even to learn the tongue, the language of the area. Do you ever, when you study scripture, put yourself or try to put yourself in the position, the situation in scripture? If we wanted to update it to today, this may not be the world's best example, but just say something strange and weird happened. And parents, grandparents, what if your children 15 to 18 or 15 to 20 were captured and taken away to North Korea? so that they could learn the culture and everything there. They would be in a nation that was dominated by a king that had life and death control over the people under his authority, his power, not unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who had the same basic ability. They were to collect the best students 
and for the purpose of learning how they worked, how the nation that they were in, Babylon, worked, and they were to be part of the government. Can you imagine working in a government for a foreign country in the upper levels? That would be difficult, plus learning a brand new language. They wanted good students. I was thinking about that, and a couple of Bible verses came into mind. What does the Word of God say in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Back in Daniel's day, they had none of the New Testament. They didn't even have all of the Old Testament at this point, or what we could call the Hebrew Bible. But there was another verse I thought of, and since this is around the beginning of school, um, I don't know if everybody in here has found this verse, but if you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 12, it says, this is Solomon writing, and further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. I have used that frequently myself and have thought of that verse when I was in seminary. It seems like there's never any end of studying. Maybe when you were in school, you felt that way. Sometimes I felt that way near the end of the school year. But I've talked to people that the second day of school, they thought the same way. They just didn't really like all of what they had to do. But God tells us to study his word. From the story, I think it's extremely obvious that these four young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, did just that. They studied God's word. Let's go to verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. They had a three-year intensive study, introduction to Babylonian culture, language, their society, the way the government worked. And at the end of three years, they were going to have to stand before the king and answer for it. I don't know about you, but that would be a scary thing after, if I had to study for three years and stand before the President of the United States and answer for everything I'd learned. Have you ever thought of that possibility? But this was a little different. If I stood before the president of the U.S., I'd probably walk out of there with my head on my shoulders. Before Nebuchadnezzar, if you disappointed him, uh, the head would probably come off before you got out the door. So anyway, these four Hebrew children 
were faced with this in their future. I'd like to look at one of the issues, actually two of the issues in this verse. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. And sometimes when we read stuff like that, we don't stop and think, where did this meat come from? It was the same type of meat that the king would eat. So they were giving them royal food. But in a pagan culture like that, what do you think the chances are that that meat had been sacrificed to the pagan idols? Why is it that Daniel refused to eat it? Probably for the main reason that it was sacrificed to idols. And then it says, And of the wine which he drank. Well, I looked the word wine up, a Hebrew word. It is a word that means to effervesce. It's, that means it's an intoxicating beverage. Now, I'm not sure if you understand, in 21st century America, when we read the Bible and it uses the word wine, what do we always think of? The alcoholic version. But you go throughout the scriptures and you'll find places where it's obviously alcohol, New Testament. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Or that's obviously alcohol. It's intoxicating. But Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Do you think that was alcoholic? No, it was just what we would call grape juice, like Welch's, or something similar to it. But this was obviously intoxicating, and Daniel and his three friends did not want to take any of that into their bodies. And that sets up a situation here in a little while. Verse 6, Now among these were of the children of Judah among all the children that were brought from Nebuchadnezzar's conquest, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You read through Daniel, and you'll find something interesting. Whenever you read Daniel, it's Daniel. But through much of the book, you read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't you? And most of us probably remember Daniel is Daniel, although his name that was given to him by the king was Belteshazzar. But Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, a lot of people don't think of those three names. They think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When our boys were little, sometimes Don and I would tell them stories or you know, we'd be talking or we'd see something. And one of our boys, when he was probably four or five, I think it was Scotty, he wasn't very old. He says, Daddy, I don't want to go to BED. He figured out what BED was. But a lot of people say Shadrach, Meshach, and Tibet we go. 
Basically, these are names that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, put on these so that they would be able to fit in, at least in his mind, in his administration. He gave them Babylonian names. But I was thinking about this the other day, and I was going, how many times do we give people nicknames? Do they always appreciate them? I know I've been guilty more than once of uh, giving people nicknames that they did not appreciate, and I heard about it later, sometimes in no uncertain terms. We tried not to do that with our boys, but back from 1987 to 1990, most of the time we were on deputation, And when there was a TV nearby, and before that, Don and I had a policy with our sons that they could not watch TV on their own unless one or both of us were there to monitor what they're watching. But there was that program from 87 to 90 called Disney's DuckTales. Some of you remember that one? And the characters? Well... The four of us in our family, we all had nicknames, characters from that program. Chris, our oldest son, was Launchpad McQuack. And Chris, for quite a while when we were watching that, when he'd get into trouble or something wasn't going right, he'd go, April Day, April Day! Because in the Disney DuckTales, Launchpad would say April Day, he actually meant May Day, but he got it wrong. Scott, our younger son, we called Gyro de Gerlus. He was the brain. Even back then, we realized he was the brain in the family. He could probably outthink the other three of us put together. Because Gyro in DuckTales was, the guy was always making something or thinking of something way above normal people. Uh, Donna got the nickname of Webby or Webigail. She was small, but you better listen to her when she talks. Otherwise, uh, you are going to have some problems. I have seen her in operation more than once. And, uh, yeah. It's a good idea to listen when Webby talks. Me, the head of the family, guess what character I was? I was Duckworth, the butler. Oh, well. I'm not uh, against helping other people. But I always like Duckworth's approach to things. And... You know, we don't normally use those names anymore, but back then it was, and the boys, even before I thought of Duckworth, they used to call me Duckworth on occasion for the way I think and operate. So anyway, these four young men each had names. But we need to be careful when we give names, nicknames to people, because it can hurt feelings. It can create a problem. Daniel always liked to be approached as Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, well, they got used to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
So let's jump down to verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel had been raised in a good Jewish home. He came from probably one of the upper echelon families in Jerusalem. He knew the Mosaic law apparently extremely well. He knew that eating meat sacrificed to idols was a bad thing, at least, and and possibly it would... Uh, disqualify you from participating in certain activities of the Jewish nation. And he did not want to be intoxicated. He did not want to get drunk because then he wasn't always in control of himself and what he said and what he did and where he went. But he had learned that and he didn't want to change his upbringing. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Do you ever read Daniel and think about Joseph in the Old Testament? Seems like for a while, Joseph went down and down and down and down before he got lifted up. Daniel had a sometimes similar path. But Daniel had come to be important. He was a young man that you could rely on. He was a young man that this uh, individual that he answered to came to use and see the work that he did that was so good. And he appreciated a young man that was very effective at getting whatever task he was given effectively done. And the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. The man says, uh, if I don't give you what the king has told me give you for food, I could lose my life. I could lose my head. Verse 11. Then Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel had a idea and a plan in mind. He says, prove thy servants. He said, test us. I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. He was dealing with the two things that the king had appointed for them to eat was the king's meat and the king's wine. And Daniel says, can you test us for just ten days? I'm not asking for the whole three years. I'm just asking for ten days. Give us pulse. What is pulse? The word in Hebrew means that which was sown. It's vegetables and it's in a plural form. So it's a number of vegetables. One of the things I learned about Jacob, I had him down to my house a couple times. He and I drove 
Meals on Wheels in Canton together a couple times, and I always fed them. And my normal noon meal includes a lot of stir-fried vegetables, and Jacob just loves vegetables, doesn't he? That's the basic idea of pulse, and then the water is water. It wouldn't be intoxicating. And so Daniel lays out this idea before Melzar, and then he says, let her, Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Daniel puts himself and his three friends in the hands of Melzar and says, give us a test. Check it out. Provide us some good healthy vegetables and water instead of the king's meat and the wine for 10 days and see if there is any change, any difference in us versus them. So, Verse 14, so he consented to them in this manner and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Now I've talked to people about this and they say, see, we're all supposed to be vegan. We're all supposed to be vegetarians. We're not supposed to eat anything like that. Well, that's one way to look at it, but uh, I believe... A lot farther back in time, God gave animals for people to eat. And if God wants us to eat meat, there's nothing wrong in eating meat. So, thus Melzar, verse 16, took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So, they had a good veggie meal. Daniel had made a heart decision to not defile himself. He followed through. He offered a suggestion on how to deal with the situation. It worked out. And so then they were given vegetables and water to drink. Verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding of all visions and dreams. I think it would be safe to say Daniel was the leader of these four young men. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. That would be a uh, scary proposition to be brought in before a man who is probably one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful man in the world at that point, and given a test. What's your response in life to tests? In school, and I've done a bit of that in my time, some people get sick to their stomach, some people get migraines, find a way to try and get out of it. But, you know, once you grow up, we have tests in our lives all the time, and how do we face them? What do we do? This was a particularly scary one. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, 
and in all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So Daniel and his three friends did extremely good in this quiz, this test. I can almost imagine Nebuchadnezzar sitting up there asking on his throne, just throwing out these questions and going, hey, these kids are pretty smart. What about this? What about that? Let's go into a totally different area. What about this? Oh, you've got a good answer? Okay, have you thought of this? He was probably enjoying himself and uh, not lifting up the magicians and astrologers in his mind at all. Verse 21, And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus, which would have been about 70 years after they were taken captive in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon. Daniel lived a very long and productive life. Chapter 2. In the second year, the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. This was another one of those tests that Nebuchadnezzar came up with. He said, I don't remember the dream, and I don't always trust your interpretation of things, the way you look and do things. He said, this is one way for me to find out, you tell me the dream, then I can know that I can trust the interpretation thereof. Well, things went back and forth between Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldeans, and all these people, and they finally come down and says, King, we cannot do what you ask. Verse 12, for this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. They're the ones that the story is about. They're the ones this chapter is about, Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 14, and Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom, He just didn't throw something off the top of his head. He had thought about it. He answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. This was probably the king's personal guard. 
So he would have been probably the, one of the highest ranking officers in Nebuchadnezzar's whole kingdom. Which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? And Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Arioch thought enough of Daniel, he just didn't push him aside with a question. Arioch had known Daniel probably for quite some time because Daniel and his friends were in and out of the court, in and out of all kinds of uh, activities and things, and he had probably had noticed and had some respect for Daniel. Then Daniel went, in, or verse 15, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? And Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king. Daniel would have had to have a special reputation to walk in to a king back then and ask, uh, King, I have a question, can you answer? In many of those type of situations, the wrong person does it, their head is gone. But that did not happen. And Daniel went in, desired of the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel asked for two things. He asked for time, and then he asked for the ability to come back a second time and answer the question that had stumped everybody else in Babylon. Verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. As I'm sure I've mentioned, Don and I were church planning ministry or missionaries in Quinnell, British Columbia, Canada. If you will want to look at the map, it's on Highway 97, about 10-hour drive north of Vancouver. I was extremely fortunate in a small church to have some prayer warriors. Of course, my wife was number one, always, but I had two other ladies, older ladies, Mrs. Webster, and another lady, and right now my, her name escapes me, Ambrosine Williams. Thank you, Donna. But I could take things to them. So I had three companions, three prayer warriors, and there was times when I was amazed I'd call up one of the other the ladies after I talked to Donna and said, this is something I want you to pray about. And on one case, Mrs. Webster came back to me at church the following Sunday morning and laid everything out. How could she have known what that was? I have no idea. But that lady knew how to pray. In your life today, do you have any prayer warriors. Prayer warriors shouldn't only be one or two or three or whatever in a local church to help and support the pastor, but we can all use prayer warriors on our own. 
What kind of people, what kind of friends, who do you run with? Find a good crowd and find some good prayer warriors. It's amazing sometimes the things that they can take care of. Verse 18, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. I mean, they had their backs, so to speak, up against the wall. Unless they were successful in getting the dream and the interpretation of that dream, they were going to die along with all the other wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Verse 19, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings, he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding, he revealeth the deep and secret things, he knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now that now what we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto thee us the king's manner. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch. Notice the chain of command that Daniel follows. He doesn't go straight to the king, he goes to the king's captain. Many places in the Old Testament when you see the word captain, you could probably relate it to modern day military. They are generals. He goes into Arioch. Why did he talk to Arioch first? Well, Arioch and his men were probably still carrying out this, if you want to call it a purge, uh, of the wise men, but he wa- Daniel wanted to make sure that whatever had been done was stopped and nobody else had to die. He was thinking of himself, his three friends, plus all the other wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's realm. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? If you were in Daniel's shoes at that point, what would you say? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? He's kind of asking a rhetorical question. He says, none of your other wise men that are all a lot older than we are, can't they do this? And then Daniel gets to the heart of the issue. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar 
What shall be in the latter days? Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. He then goes out and lays out the dream and the interpretation. We're not going to get into that this evening. Maybe in a future date. We will. But for now, we're going to drop down a little bit. Let's go to verse 46 of chapter 2. What happened after Daniel laid all this out for the king? Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel. Can you imagine that scene? This is arguably one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful man in the world of that day, bowing down to Daniel. Do you think Daniel liked this? I doubt it. And commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. Daniel didn't want that. Daniel didn't ask for that. Daniel did not need that. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is. It's interesting in life how people that know nothing of God, know nothing of the Bible, every so often you wonder if they're not inspired because they come out with this great truth. And what did the king say? Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. He says, Daniel, you serve the God of gods. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. He was given a great position just like Joseph was in Egypt. And he was over all the wise men that had been trained in him. What you might call the student is now in charge of the teachers. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Daniel had an extremely powerful position in the gate. Back in those times, the gate of a city or gate of a palace is where all the official work was done, the business of that city or that palace. If you wanted to get in and do anything, you had to go through the gatekeeper. Daniel didn't ask to be seated on a throne at the right hand of King Nebuchadnezzar and have people fall down and worship him every time they approached. No. What was he? He was simply the gatekeeper. Are we happy doing what God has given us to do? Think about that. Daniel came to Babylon as a prisoner. 
And in a little over three years, he was one of the most powerful men in Babylon. But he didn't put on airs. He didn't ask for everything. He just wanted to live his life and serve his God. What is your purpose in life this evening? Do you want to live your life and serve your God as your highest goal? Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.